Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Old Ways Actual Play Team. This actual play is performed by adults and in an adult setting. While we try hard to stick to language for all ages, listeners should know that this podcast will include mature themes and scenes. This actual play uses the Delta Green role-playing game rules by Arctream Publishing. All content, including names, places, events, companies, and etc., which may bear resemblance to entities living or dead, is strictly coincidental. My name is Michael Diamond, and for tonight's game, I will be your handler. You're all cordially invited to a night at the opera. Thank you for joining us again on another episode of the Old Ways Podcast. I am your handler this evening, Michael Diamond, as we return to our um, OSEL, Delta Green game here on the Old Ways Podcast. We are joined again by many of our agents who we'll talk to in a little bit. We'd like to personally thank all of our listeners and especially our Patreon supporters who are also showing their support through subscribing to our YouTube page, which has been wonderfully responsive as of recently. And so we're going to get to introductions. But before we do, I would just like to preface this session by saying not everything is what it seems and some days are different than others. So to my right. Hi, this is Miranda playing Dr. Aaron Weber, a.k.a. Agent Olivia Dartford. And I've been doing a little research into an Asa Darabonte uh, with the assistance, a little assistance from my uh, new pal, Elliot Winters. Indeed. And speaking of, to your right. Hi, it's your friend, Nate. And I am, as you just heard, playing Elliot Winters, Diplomatic Services Special Agent for the U.S. Department of State. Or as Agent Dartford, who calls me on my day off and bothers me, knows me as Special Agent Oscar Bennett, her friendly face in the FBI. And to Agent Winters, right? Hi, this is Allie, and I play Agent Joanne Hart to the rest of my compatriots that I'm not currently in contact with. I am Agent Ward, and... I'm trying to track down an old grumpy Betty. Indeed. Last but most certainly not least. Hi, my name is Tegan, and I'm playing Brett Youngbuck Hawking of the NCIS. Indeed you are. And now, agents, brace yourself just a little. Two years pass. It's now 1997. And you are coming back into camera frame After having dealt with a few things, you are now considered experienced Delta Green agents. You've been on an operation now, and you get now the full benefit and we'll say disadvantage of being a experienced Delta Green agent. And that makes you a damaged veteran. And so a damaged veteran gets a few things, but they also come at a price. So... I am going to give each one of you the status that of things man was not meant to know. So your agent, all of you, are going to gain 10% in the unnatural skill. This, of course, adds on to those of you who gained it in our last home session. And it's going to add 20% to your occult. It is also 
going to give you a new disorder, which I'll pick now for each of you. You are also going to reduce your agent's sanity by their POW. This, of course, will reset your breakpoint. So while you're doing that paperwork, I'll figure out some wonderful disorders for you. Dr. Weber, write this down. This is absolutely the way I see it. You have an anxiety disorder. You're often seized by uncontrollable worry, which manifests in fatigue, restlessness, headaches, sleeplessness, and savage panic attacks. In an acute episode, all your skills are minus 20%, which of course is arbitrary and left to your handler as to when they occur. Elliot, you have become obsessed. Your agent has become fixated on a person, place, event, act, or idea. And I think what I'm going to underline is idea. And the idea that you are obsessed with is that the McAllister building had some sort of unnatural ability to move people beyond normal physical space. It's the only thing that you can equate it to. In an acute episode, any long-term action or skill use for you, anything more than taking more than a day or two, is minus 20. Because you are sort of obsessed to the point where you're really always thinking about that building and the events around that building and the people who lived in that building and who those people knew and where they went and where they bought groceries at and why they never left the building for months. And um, you probably watched in New York there, you probably watched what happened to the building during the demolition and the removal. And you took your lunch there, all sorts of days and nights spent just hanging out, waiting for the next clue to drop, because of course, it's gotta be another clue. Oh, Joanne Hart. Somehow, some way, during your reading of that book, your investigation into that Miss Fitzroy, the child genius, you seem to pick up something within that person, that persona that you imagine them having. How were they a genius? It was because they were so closed off to the rest of the world that they eventually just never left the house again. And so to understand them better in the long term, you've begun to take on some of that yourself. You have begun to depersonalize things. You've detached from the rest of the world. And so your agent suffers periods of detachment from them, from herself. You feel helplessly disconnected from your own body, thoughts, and emotions. Most of the things that you experience, you experience as if they happen to someone else rather than you. When this disorder picks up, your skills are at minus 20. And Brett Hawking, you have a now year and a half old child. And so it seems a little too fitting to give you a sleep disorder. So I'll pass on that. As a uh, father of two myself, I think that you could mostly survive raising a child. For the moment, anyway. For you, I think Brett suffers from, in a way, PTSD. You struggled very mightily when it came to the reports of the building. You checked the news, listened to the radio on the way back to Norfolk. And you became a little bit shaken 
by some of the other things that you heard after the papers reported the explosion. It was actually a, a pickup of, we'll just say, respiratory issues in the people in that area. But it wasn't the people around them that did it to you. The PTSD for you comes from seeing the marionettes, seeing those objects move in the darkness, seeing that figure at the end of the ballroom disappear behind a door that didn't exist. You tried to do your best to placate it with spending time alone driving, focusing on becoming a better wheelman. It may have unfortunately hampered a relationship you have with your friends, but that solace didn't buy you anything. It just gave you cover to have your own personal meltdowns behind the wheel rather than in front of your fiance or your gaming buddies. Post-traumatic stress comes out in many different ways. You might relive flashbacks of those floors. You might smell the smoke from Rourke's cigar, or maybe even the strange scent that the alcohol up there tinged the air with. When you have an acute episode, you react violently to threats only you perceive. This is evident by a couple of the holes that you've put in the wall of your place in Norfolk, and why sometimes now your fiancé looks twice in your direction, just to make sure you're not mad. When, when you sink into these types of episodes, you'll be minus 20 for all skill checks during them. But yeah, some, some time passes. In that passage of time, each one of you finds that the McAllister building stains your memory a little bit. It stays there. The drive away from the building stays there. For some of you, the sound of the explosion stays in your mind. This is especially true for you, Brett, as any sort of, we'll just say July 4th is not easy on you at all. Really, it passed that first year after that that summer of 96, it tells you a lot. You learn a lot about yourself, unfortunately, and what you're willing to do when you have a full-scale freakout, when you can't control it. But each one of you in turn, whether it be at your workplace or whether it be at a just a regular Thursday night and you get the mail, you all get contacted in a very simplistic way that gives you directive and directions to come back to New York. It does not say why, but you are all cordially invited to a night at the opera. Why don't you let me know, Dr. Weber, with a year and a half, two years or so having passed, Holly is now 13. Yeah. And so she's middle school. So yeah, what's it what's it like when you get that ominous message out of nowhere? It's a combination of terrifying and exhilarating because I don't have the answers for the things that I need answered and I see this as a possible means of of finding out the truth, finding out the reason for all of this. There has to be some source, some reason. And that's the that's the exciting part. That's the fulfilling part. But that shit was fucked up last time. And Aaron is still still dealing with the ramifications of that. 
And knowing that she's going to have to go back into that is difficult. So it's this these competing feelings of both excitement and terror. I think that is aptly put. And so I'd, I'd probably ask you again that same sort of question, Elliot, when you get a letter that turns up on your desk or tucked under your door at home that doesn't really conform to any sort of regular piece of mail but has a clear message what's what's Elliot Winters what's his reaction what's he do plus about damn time this is exactly what I need to get some more answers about that goddamn building wonderful I've got so much to show Marcus too I wonder if it'll be Marcus again I hope it's Marcus again so Elliot is very pleased to be back officially on the case because unofficial has been slow and miserable no progress and so and that's all he can think of it has to be that that has to be it just has to be McAllister building part two Hmm. Agent Hart how are you dealing with this this sort of deja vu I feel like it's gonna be that I'm experiencing a combination of anticipation and nervousness mostly because whatever like long term happened to me since I can experience this disconnect for my body something happened and maybe maybe just maybe whatever happened left something residual that I can find a answer to that I can find a way to fix the way that I'm feeling all the time. So if I go back to New York, I might get these answers that make it so that I'm closer to the person that I was before. Perhaps you can recover something that was lost. Yeah. That's a nice sentiment. It plays pretty well on Lifetime movies, but that's not why we're here. I look forward to seeing you in New York again. So, Brett, 15, maybe 16-month-old kid. Boy or girl, you figure? It's a boy. Okay, so this new hawking child, what is his name? Uh, I'm going to name the kid Dalton. Okay, Dalton. Dalton Hawking. Yeah, that's a good name. This kid's going to do well in school. 97? The kid, is he? That's not, that's, that's like past the cutoff for... Millennial, this is going to be a Gen Z kid. Yeah, Dalton's going to be great. Can't wait. Can I, I mean, did I get it as like a note in my, in my mailbox? Did I, how did I get this invitation? Because I need to figure out a way to respond with something, even if it's just into the ether with a big fuck you. Yeah, you probably got it as a note tucked into, tucked in probably through the window of your car doesn't do me any good to write fuck you on that and then tuck it back into the window of my car. I guess, yeah, I do. I do, though, just like in this moment of stress, just write fuck you. And like I, my, the pencil goes through the piece of paper and then I crumple it up and then I just throw it on the fucking ground. And then I go chase it down to see if there's any details, such as like an address or a time. So I step on it and it's like got now it's got dirt on it. You make an absolute mess of the note. It doesn't seem to have a date 
or a time that you can read now. It looks like maybe there was one. You think it a couple of days from now? Yeah, I mean, you you fucked this note up now. And so now you're piecing things together and like it starts raining. And so you're having to get under like the, the over, you know, where the, the parking overhang is and you make it out. You make it out finally that you, you got to show up in a couple of days. Same park? Nope. They give you a uh, a bar downtown. Uh, it looks like downtown New York City. Yeah, when I get home, I'm going to load up AOL and I'm going to see if I can find... Is, is there anything on this bar? Is there a phone number for this bar? Yeah, there's a phone number for the bar. Okay. I'm going to call the bar and ask and say... Hey, do you have any like parties booked in the next couple of days on the date and time that's listed? Uh, nah, man, this is not, that's not this kind of bar. We don't book parties. People come in and drink. All right, fine. And I'll go ahead and hang up and I will, I, I'm going to schedule the, the PTO, I guess. And tell my wife that I'm going to, that I, I got, um, I got training up in New York um, at a field office up there for, they said it was a week, but maybe it'll be shorter um, if we get, if we hit all of our objectives. So um, that's what I got to do. I'm just going to lie to her. She nods and props Dalton up, gets him into into a, uh, a playpen. Do whatever you have to do. I'll be here. Do you want anything up from from New York? You want like a little uh, little plastic Statue of Liberty or an "I Love New York" T-shirt or or anything? A little tiny baby "I Love New York" T-shirt. Can you get me some rest while you're there? I'd really like some of that. Roger that. I'll go ahead and I'll go ahead and make dinner then. So, all of you. Over the next couple of days, make your way to the pre-described location. Your notes carried an address and a time. It asked you to be prompt. Is anyone doing anything before they arrive at the bar specific to their travel or their state of mind? I'm traveling six hours early so that I can hang out outside that bar for a period of time and watch as people leave and go. There is a gentleman, older gentleman, who sits across the street in a um, raincoat, like that Fisherman's Wharf rain hat on, the yellow one. And he eats tuna fish sandwiches and he smokes palm oils. He stares at the bar an awful lot, but he also feeds the pigeons and he mumbles to himself. Anybody else? Well, depending on when my flight came in, I imagine I booked something earlier so I had enough time to make it from the airport, et cetera, et cetera. So I would get checked into my hotel room. Very good. Very good. Aaron would also arrive early with the intention of drinking in her car. Hmm. And she would probably, it's a, she'd probably drink on the way in her car, to be honest. Yeah. It helps, helps calm the nerves a little bit. Mm-hmm. I guess I'd like to nail down then what is, um, what is Dr. Weber's 
poison? What's her choice? Oh, mm, I think Dr. Wepper's probably a vodka drinker. Clear liquor is Dr. Wepper's alcohol of choice. It's clear, so you can pack it into any sort of water bottle and no one knows the difference, right? That's right. Okay. A couple hours pass, and eventually it nears the time of arrival. We'll say it's 6 p.m. The bar is relatively calm as far as the numbers go. Most people in NYC don't really start going out and drinking until much later. And since this is a bar that doesn't serve food, it's not like someone could even have an ulterior motive for being here. If you're at this bar, you're likely drinking. Elliot will stand up, brush the crumbs off of his raincoat, unbelt it a little bit, walk over to where the agent, Brett Hawking, is, wave, like six feet away, just wave, and then turn towards the bar and walk inside. I flip him off. Okay. If Aaron sees this, it would be relieving to me that it's the same people again. There's always that risk that there's it's new people, and it's actually kind of comforting to see the same people that went through the same thing as me. Okay. Miss Hart? I'm going to arrive like I did at the airport where I'm just a few minutes early. I'm not going to spend a lot of time dilly-dallying around. I'm just going to show up because that seemed to work better. If I show up, I, I don't have time to dwell too hard in the exact moment of where we're supposed to be. Okay, fair enough. You all eventually make it inside, though. Unless unless you're going to wait outside. I was just going to say that I probably have whatever is the most comforting page out of that book ripped out and in my pocket. Okay, okay, fair enough. Doing a little um, book book uh, ripping there. Interesting. It's my comfort object. And you're going to shred it in a way. Very interesting. So the bar itself is another one of these sort of shotgun style bars that has a very long and probably worn mahogany bar. It's got all manner of, we'll just say, less than top shelf alcohol available at it. Probably no whiskey more extravagant than Jack Daniels. And then all sorts of all sorts and manners of of regular booze on tap as well. Uh, no billiard tables in this bar. There are dartboards and a couple of payphones in back. And it looks like an unused stage where bands used to come and ply their trade. No band this evening so far but here you are months later back in New York City I mean the timing is amazing it's amazing yeah if I would imagine they, those two went in first so I would just sit at whatever I would go to the bar and get a vodka on the rocks and then sit with sit down with those two is there a jukebox did you say uh, I didn't but there is oh so I walk over to it I look for night moves. It's there, clearly. And I put in enough quarters to play it thrice. 
Boy, that's a, that's a lot of night moves. I'm getting an ice water and meeting with the group. Okay. So, um, it's been a while. Is this is this the first time they've called you all since we the thing? Can't talk about that. Oh yeah, we can just not talk about it. Was that was that it? Yeah, that's that's all. I set my course banquet down. Well, you know, Dartford, I can't can't really say based on the rules if this is this is the first time or the last time or any time. But I do wonder how how did that little thing that you were looking at uh, last time we talked how did how did that end up? Oh, we're following rules now, or okay, okay. Uh, really weird. That guy killed a bunch of kids, and it was fucking weird. I don't. Yeah. Did you? He he designed or he built the McAllister though. That's what you had had figured out. Oh yeah. He built it. There was a, a fire in his office and they found a, a body of a, a girl and they have a... I went through all the uh, evidence that they have and stuff and uh, yeah, there he owed a bunch of money to a, a bank, like 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 $200,000 and was... had a list of... He's killing kids and yeah, it was... It's, I don't know, it's pretty horrible stuff. Yeah, he sounds he sounds like a terrible character. Um, did he build any other buildings like the McAllister? Did you run across any? I didn't know. Any of all any of y'all ever dream of the McAllister building? I almost said either. So I sort of gave it away, but uh I dream of that building. Do any of you all dream of that building too? Well, I I would think we all do from time to time. I try not to. I don't see how we couldn't dream about it sometimes. Yeah. So you all dream about it every single night, just like me. Oh, not, not every night. Hmm. I'm getting tired of it, and I'm hoping that maybe. I, I just am assuming we're here. They collected us together. Whoever they is, they don't. They don't. Soon. We have, we have twelve more minutes and night moves. I was hoping, you know, whoever was here would get here before that ended because that would help mask the whatever the conversation is but uh i'm hoping that we're just gonna keep going right we're gonna keep going and and and, and do a little bit more did any you other two uh did you look into the uh McAllister at all or this guy uh asa darabonde built it i guess and i know that name no why would i want to look into that thing well, why wouldn't you want to? I mean, th- there has to be. A- there's a reason why we saw what we saw and where it was. That why wouldn't you want to know why? Because I don't want my brains to liquefy and run out my ears. Look, I d- don't want anything more to do with that particular place. Well, wait, you said you you've heard of that uh, the uh, Darabonde? Yeah. Well, wait, what do you know? What do you know about him? Uh, very little. He built a house in Oak Park in Chicago that apparently was real weird. Yeah, it's it. He finished it in 1911, and just weird. Apparently, weird stuff with 
basically the last resident, almost the last resident. She just kind of went a little mental, but that's, that's the only, like, that's all the information I have about him. I didn't look into him any more than that. You didn't, you didn't visit the house then? You didn't go out there and check it out? No, it, it didn't, that didn't seem important. Do you, you got, you got the address on you? I know that's not what we're here for, but do you got the address of this place on you by chance? Or maybe you can get it to me? Not on me, but I could get it to you. <sighs> Dude, I appreciate it, Miss Hart. I appreciate it. Does there look like, if we're looking around the place, do we, do I recognize anyone who's our previous handler or Marcus? You do not see Marcus here. Is there anyone that looks just, I don't know, stands out? I mean, at this time of day, I mean, there are a few people, probably day drinkers who are in here. Minus yourself, of course, Dr. Weber. But other than that, no, you don't really see anyone who stands out. There's no one running around in a silver cape or there are no tiny mechanized children. None of that. Yeah, as the conversation is happening, Aaron's eyes are darting all over the room, just constantly going from them and she'll be talking but not really looking anyone in the eye because she's looking face to face to face to see if anyone's coming in and staring at after she's done a a couple laps around the room with her eyes staring at the door waiting for someone to come in hands ringing and and rubbing them on her pants as they're sweaty and gross so we've all arrived at the assigned time but we haven't been joined by anyone that's correct uh, maybe they changed their minds. Well, you would think that we would have gotten some kind of additional note or they would reach out. They took their time reaching out for something else for us to do. So why would they bring us here if they didn't intend to actually intend to actually meet with us? Um... Well, maybe they did, but like I, they changed their. Maybe they don't need. We don't need to be involved anymore. Maybe I'm getting. I'm getting a little bit bad feeling about the, how, how late. Uh, handler, how late are they? Well, we'll say that it's two and a half Bob Seger songs at this point. Well, it's twelve minutes and you know forty forty three seconds. As everyone knows, Bob Seger's Night Moves is a five minute twenty five second song. Everyone knows this. Yes. I pick up my core's banquet. I'm going to head back towards the back door. If there is one. There is. You pick up the course and you turn the head and you head towards the back door. As you head towards the back door, the payphone to your right rings. Darford, do you remember this shit? Darford about jumped out of her skin when that happened. All right. One, one, one of y'all come here too and to... I ain't never answering a damn payphone again alone. I need another person to get ears on this with me. If, or someone else answered. I'll pick up the payphone. Oh, thank God. Okay, you pick up the payphone. You hear um, in the background a lot of noise. Sounds like people. Okay. Perhaps up some sort of public place. You hear a man's voice on the phone. Hello? Hello? Agent Ward? That's correct. Our meeting place has changed. Okay. Borough Park, Brooklyn. One hour. The phone hangs up. 
Okay. I'll hang up the phone. And uh, so when I hang up the phone, Burroughs Park, Brooklyn, I'm going to call a cab. And I immediately go through the phone book that's hanging off and find a cab and, and call for it like as soon as possible. You could probably just ride with one of us. Oh, you guys have cars? Yeah, Agent Ward. I, I, you could ride with me, Agent Ward, if, if, if you want to. And lean back. That'd be great. I'm going to grab my briefcase. Because I don't go anywhere without it. Because the research that I used to carry with my sister's details in that case file has been replaced with all of this new information that I've been digging into for a long time. So you're all going to pile into respective cars. I assume, Brett, that, that you took a taxi to get here from the airport, yeah? I drove up from Norfolk. Okay, so you have your own car. Dr. Weber has her car, and then Agent Ward is going to ride with um, Agent Winters. It's a good thing, too, Dr. Weber, because you might be a little paranoid that you might maybe you need a breath mint. That's what it is. There might be a, a, a tinge of vodka on the air in your car. Oh, and a, a few empty bottles on the floor. I shoved up, shoved, shoved under a seat. It's got that smell to it. it. It really does. Holly's probably commented on it a couple of times, or maybe she's um, helped finish off a couple of the bottles that are in the back seat unknowingly. So the group travels then to Borough Park in Brooklyn. By the time they arrive there, sunset has already taken place. And that's where we're going to leave them tonight, outside a park, together again. Because in reality, home is where they are, together. That's the only place home is, like it or not. So thank you for joining us for this slight home series with Ocel. We hope you've enjoyed it. And what comes next, we hope will be equally enjoyable. Thank you and good night.